I thought that I already received the indwelling Spirit of God when I was born again. What more do I get when I receive a holy heart and the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. Thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. Just want to let you know that we are local in the Wyoming Valley. We're in the Wilkesbury area. What we are doing is looking to start small groups. We want to talk about spiritual matters. We want to look at the Bible together. We want to be disciples ourselves, and we want to make disciples. So if you want to have a Bible study, you want to know what truth is, then you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like and follow us for video content, teaching, and preaching. You can find us on YouTube. Also, be sure to subscribe there and turn on the bell to be notified of any new videos. If you need something, please also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Also make sure to check out our podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. We talked about the witness of the Spirit last Sunday, and now what we're going to be looking into is the indwelling Spirit. Couple questions. Does the Spirit indwell the saved yet not wholly sanctified Christian? Is it possible to be a Christian without the indwelling of the Spirit? And what is the difference between the indwelling of the Spirit in the regenerate or the saved state and the wholly sanctified state? And then lastly, what does the indwelling of the Holy Spirit do for us? So let's look at the first question Does the Spirit indwell the saved? yet not wholly sanctified Christian. Let's look in John 14, verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The disciples had not yet received the Spirit here because of what John said earlier in John seven thirty nine. Jesus said, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So where does the Bible positively state that a saved or a regenerated Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? That's pretty clear. Also, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? So there we have it. The Holy Ghost is dwelling inside of believers. Galatians 4, 6. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So yes, a Christian does have the Spirit of God dwelling in their heart. Is it possible to be a Christian 
without the indwelling of the Spirit. Let's look at Romans 8, verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So the question was, is it possible to be a Christian without the indwelling of the Spirit? According to Romans 8, 9, he says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And just before that, it says that we are not to walk in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. So it seems to be that according to Paul, if you do not have the Spirit dwelling inside of your heart, you are not Christ. You are not saved. You are not a Christian. So we need to be born of the Spirit. We definitely know that. The disciples were born of the Spirit. Jesus said that if you were not born again, then you would not enter the kingdom of heaven. Look at Luke 10, verse 20. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The disciples were saved. Luke 10, 20 tells us that even before Jesus went on the cross, there was kind of this overlap time between the old and the new covenant. And because Jesus was there on earth, it was a special time where those disciples were in fact saved there by Jesus' own admission. Their names were written in the book of heaven. So it seems that the disciples were saved by this special transitional time between the old and the new covenant. After Pentecost, Those that are saved have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. So that goes back just a little bit further, which he said, the Spirit's with you, but he shall be in you. The only reason that the Spirit of God was not in the Christian in that time was because he had not died on the cross. But now on this side of Calvary, everyone that is saved has the Spirit of God dwelling in them. Otherwise, you are not saved. You are not Christ's, according to the Scriptures. So then, what is the difference between the indwelling of the Spirit in that saved state and the holy sanctified state? What's the difference between the indwelling and these two different things? Ephesians 5.18, I believe, brings out what the main difference is. Ephesians 5.18 says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, Acts 6, 5 says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Let me ask you this question. When when the apostles said, you know, we can't leave off the word of God in praying to wait on tables for the widows, so we need to find seven men full of faith and of the Holy Ghost to do this work. Now, he could have said, We just want seven men that are Christians, but he made a specific requirement, full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, which leads us to believe that there are some Christians that are not filled with the Holy Ghost. And so the main difference in the indwelling of the Spirit in a saved heart and a uh, holy sanctified heart is the fullness of the Spirit. Saved has the Spirit within. If you're saved, you have the Spirit within. If you're sanctified holy, then you have the Spirit in His fullness. And if you were listening along in these broadcasts before, you would understand why. 
because we needed to make a full and a complete consecration to God. And the only way we could know the depths of that consecration yet more than we did when we first came to Christ is that after Jesus had saved us, our desires are changed around. Then with our whole hearts, we want to follow after him. And then we realize that there's parts of us inwardly that aren't fully given over to him. And we couldn't have known that except that we had received a new heart. Now he wants to fill that heart with himself. And in order for us to do that, we have to then give give our whole selves on the altar of sacrifice now with all of the light that has flooded our being from being saved. So we have the Spirit in His fullness when we're sanctified holy. So that gives us some very practical questions to ask, or, or a very practical question. What does the indwelling of the Holy Spirit do for us? What does it do for us to have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, and especially so in His fullness? Romans 8.11 But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So we find here that if the Spirit of God dwells inside of you, and especially in his fullness, we have the assurance that when our body dies in death, that we are going to be raised. He's going to quicken, literally quicken our mortal body so that we can then rise up to be with him. And I do think that in some instance, when we have the Spirit of God dwell in us, He quickens our mortal bodies sometimes while we're still living here on earth. That is the benefit of his indwelling. It's like he just pours in this light and this power and this grace inside of us. And we realize these sleepy abilities that we've had suddenly come to light. And the light of God floods into every part of our being. It it floods into our intellect. And let me give you just a little bit of a testimony. Before I got saved, I didn't really care. Uh, to read much. I know I had to for school, but it wasn't a passion of mine. But after I got saved, and especially after I was sanctified holy, I just started soaking up knowledge. I started to read more and more and more because now everything came into focus and the Spirit of God in me was then enabling and quickening these parts of my being that were kind of dead because of the sin I was living in, because of my worldly ambitions. But now that I am right in the channel that God had made me for. He created me to be a holy person. And now that I'm walking in that, he just floods his own light in his presence and literally quickened my mind, literally quickens my abilities and quickens my heart so I can perceive spiritual things. And so when we have the spirit of God dwelling in us, there is that quickening to our mortal bodies while we're here on earth and ultimately in the last day in the resurrection. And that kind of goes along with the idea of the earnest of the Spirit or the down payment for future glory. We see this evidenced in a few other verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, we're told, who hath, see all th- excuse me, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit 
in our hearts. The down payment of the spirit is put in our hearts so that it's like now here we're walking in this earth. We've got a lot of afflictions. We've got things that are going against the way that we want to walk. Things don't always seem the way that we read inside of this book. We're waiting to be with Jesus forever, but yet we still have to live here for a while. God gave us a down payment. It's his spirit within inside of our own heart saying that you're mine, you're bought with a price, and here is the proof that I'm going to take you with me in the last day or when you pass from this earth. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 5, Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit, the down payment of the Spirit. So twice in the book of 2 Corinthians, it speaks of this. In Colossians 1, 27, we read, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There it is. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Assurance of future glory. That's what a result of us having the indwelling spirit, the assurance of heaven when I leave this earth or if Jesus were to return in the clouds. Second Timothy 1.14, here's another benefit of the indwelling spirit. That good thing which is committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. So there is a keeping power by the indwelling Holy Ghost that whatever gifts, whatever powers God has given to us will be kept by the indwelling Holy Ghost. We ultimately know and understand that the greatest gift that we have is the salvation of Jesus Christ. That salvation is kept secure by the indwelling Holy Ghost. And then, of course, the myriad of other gifts that he may give to those that are the saved, that are the blood-bought, that are a part of his body, we are kept. Those gifts are kept by the Holy Ghost which dwells within us. If the Holy Ghost and his power starts to leak out of our hearts, we realize that keeping power is kind of gone and also all the gifts and everything that we have just start to diminish. So the indwelling Holy Ghost is the preserver of our soul. Also, if we have the indwelling Holy Ghost, it's pretty evident that we have the personal presence of God himself abiding within. John 14, 16 through 17, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. He said that he would give us another comforter, that he may abide with us forever. And who's the comforter? The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him and doesn't know him, but we know him because he dwells in us. He dwells with you and shall be in you. Now, remember when I said that in the beginning, that's because at this point, Jesus said the son had to be glorified for the spirit to be given in his fullness so that he could dwell within us. But here we find that he abides in us. It's not just this fleeting little pass where he shows up a little bit and then he's gone, but he literally abides. He makes his living inside of our own heart. A little later in that same chapter of John 14 in the 23rd verse, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He will make his dwelling with us. He will abide in us forever to be a permanent resident inside of the heart of a Christian. What else do we get? 
if we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us? Will we have an abundant life? John chapter 7, verses 37 through 38, Jesus said, uh, we, we're, we're, we come into a place where Jesus is about to speak. And in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. John 10.10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So Jesus is the giver of abundant life. He will pour his life into us and we will be channels and he will flow out of us. When we are in a saved state and not yet sanctified holy, some of those those uh, living waters may come out, but it's not this constant flow. But when we're completely given over to God and he fills us with his spirit, those living waters flow out of our life continually. And that is a result of the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S. T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. Another result of the indwelling Spirit of God is the endowment of power. Acts 1.8 says, But ye shall receive power, this is Jesus speaking, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That word power in the original Greek is dunamis, which is where we get dynamite. You'll receive the dynamite of God when he dwells within your heart in his fullness. Now, we receive his power when we get saved, but we receive the fullness of his spirit and of his power when he dwells within and he abides within forever. And if there is ever a time that we, as the church of Jesus Christ, need the power of God, it is right now. The church has been limping along for far too long. We need that fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. We need to be sanctified holy. We need to have the fullness of the Spirit of God, and because of His indwelling, we can have that endowment of power, the power that comes from on high, so that His Word and His work may go forward without a hindrance. Another result that we have of having the indwelling Spirit of God in us is an inward illumination. John 14, 26. But the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So now it's not just we're trying to think through things and rationally deduce what we need to do. Now we have a spiritual inward illumination that's not mixed with desires for evil and sin inside the heart, but he has saved us from our sins. He has made us new creatures. If we have laid our all on the altar and he sanctified us holy, he has removed all the chaff with unquenchable fire 
out of the way. And now we have a wonderful inward illumination. And he said, if our eye be single, our whole body will be filled with light, which is not only holiness and goodness, but knowledge, the knowledge of the things of God. 1 John 2.27, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even is it, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. So we're told we have this special teaching, this special anointing on us. It, when we're saved, there is we do have that. It's kind of like a spiritual childhood, and the Bible speaks of it in terms like that, babes in Christ. But it's kind of a crude and an imperfect spiritual conception mixed with some carnal views and ideas and carnal dispositions. We see that with Peter in the upper room when he's waiting for the endowment of power from on high. He's like, Judas, he betrayed Christ and he went off here. So now we need to fill his place. Guys, I think we need to draw straws. If we draw straws and we just pray and say, God, make the right person draw the straw, then he'll have it. And Matthias was the man chosen. But then you look for the rest of the book of Acts and Matthias isn't mentioned one more time as far as I can remember. But then we find that God himself raised up Paul a man filled with the Spirit of God, a God-called man. So we see that he had illumination, he had understanding, but it was still kind of mixed with all this confusion and somewhat of a carnal way of thinking and carnal dispositions. But then when the indwelling Spirit is a safeguard who helps us to have the spiritual understanding of the Scriptures, look at Peter's scriptural insight after Pentecost. Even the sermon on the day of Pentecost, where he pulls through certain historical things in the Old Testament, pulls it all together and sees Christ in the Old Testament, and then uses that to preach Christ because now he has the clear perceptions. If you give your heart fully over to God, he will illuminate your heart. And you will have that spiritual perception where you need not to have somebody explain to you the scriptures in, in so much depth because you're so ignorant, but you will know and understand the scriptures because the spirit of God is dwelling in you. I do want to say and caution you, that does not mean that we don't uh, put ourselves under others who God has gifted to teach us the scriptures. He was specifically talking about these Gnostics and false uh, teachers that were sneaking into the church. They, they said they had some special knowledge. He said, you don't need that. You've got the scriptures and you've got the Holy Ghost, and he will help you to understand that in his true church. They will help you to understand the truth. Also, if we have the indwelling spirit in his fullness, then our hearts are filled with perfect love. 1 John 4, 16 through 21. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him, because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. So here we find in verse 16, the indwelling spirit. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Verse 17, love made perfect by his indwelling fullness. Verse 18, no fear of eternal judgment. 
verse 20, perfect love for God and perfect love for man. That doesn't mean that he casts out natural fear because natural fear preserves us from danger, but it casts out the fear of judgment because God has radically changed us and fills us with a perfect love for God and man. What does this look like practically? J.G. Morrison said it this way, when entire sanctification is come, then love becomes perfect with hatred gone and envy no more and jealousy driven away, and pride cast out, and anger transformed, and malice removed, and unholy ambition sanctified, and self-seeking banished, and avarice nailed to the cross, and covetousness clean gone forever. The heart, now released from its bondage to moral corruption, swells with the ecstasy of perfect love to God, perfect fellowship with God's children, and a tender compassion for the lost members of Adam's race. I do want to tell you, this is not just an ecstasy of feeling. It is a depth of reality, perfect love in the heart because of the undwelling. And then unbroken communion, 1 John 1, 3 through 7. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So if we walk in the light, we've got a cleansed heart. We have the indwelling spirit. Then we have fellowship with God and fellowship with man. We have unbroken communion with God himself. There's nothing in our hearts that stops us from communing with God because he's burned it out. And he is sitting on the throne of the heart and making his abode inside of our heart. We're also told that with the indwelling spirit, we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. It's true that every believer has that, but even all the more when God burns up that carnal mind inside of our heart, do we have the mind of Christ and fully understand and appreciate it because he's dwelling on the throne of our hearts without a rival. Also, a result of the indwelling spirit of God is sacrificial devotion. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So the sacrificial devotion is now to live for Christ instead of self. Galatians 6, 17. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Now he had bear the, bore the marks of the sufferings of Christ in his own body because the indwelling spirit constrained him to go out and preach the message and to live the Christian life before men. Uh, Romans 12, 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are enabled by the Spirit to be a living sacrifice, to have that sacrificial devotion. Praise God for the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. 
Thank God that we get his spirit when we get saved, but thank God for the fullness of his spirit when we lay all on the altar of sacrifice and let the flame of God descend on our hearts. How about it, listener? Have you been saved? Do you have the spirit of God inside of your heart? If you have, Do you have his fullness inside of your heart? Has he baptized you with the Holy Ghost in fire? Has he filled you with himself? Do you know about the quickening power of the Spirit of God to your mortal body inside of you now? Do you have the earnest of the Spirit that you'll make it to heaven? Do you have the keeping power of the Holy Ghost, the personal presence of God within, the abundant life, the endowment with power, that inward illumination, that perfect love of God and man, that unbroken communion, the mind of Christ, and the sacrificial devotion that the indwelling Spirit of God gives. If you don't know that, you can know that. And if you've missed any of my previous broadcasts, then please look for God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform to know more in depth how you may obtain this fullness of the Spirit. Please tune in next Sunday at 9 a.m. If you would like a copy of this broadcast or if you need someone to talk to or to pray with, please contact us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like and follow us for for teaching, preaching, and video content. You can find us on YouTube as well, and be sure to subscribe and turn on the bell to be notified of any new videos. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. Join the resistance, God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.